So good morning, everybody, and welcome to Paris Podcast, a podcast to inspire and motivate. Uh, each episode, you will hear me speaking to very special guests who I find very inspirational and motivate- motivating, and guests who are working and living in their purpose and working for the benefit of their community, which is something that I find um, was very important to me. So today, I'm really happy to introduce Natalie and Naomi from Everyday Racism. Hello, ladies. How are you today? Hi. Hello. Hello. We are good, thank you. Yeah, we're fine, thanks. Yeah. So I'm so excited to have you guys. Oh, thanks for inviting us. We wanted to speak to you for a very long time, so I'm really pleased that you could make it. Um, So I think let's just kind of dive straight in, um, really. So um, for those that don't know who you are, uh, Naomi and Natalie, can you just explain a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what everyday racism is? Yeah, so um, we are... Naomi and Natalie. Um, I'm Natalie, who's speaking at the moment. Um, We're sisters from um, Kent and we run um, Everyday Racism, which is an online um, kind of platform on Instagram uh, that does anti-racism work. So we kind of, um, we create resources for people and kind of break down um, terminology and like kind of talking about current affairs um and we also um run we have a book club um and we do kind of training outside of the platform as well so we do anti-racism training with organizations and schools um and yeah we're just kind of growing and growing do we do any and we else? also are writers yeah so we we've just yes. written our first book <laughs> um which will be out in July called the mixed race experience and we've also contributed to two um young adult books Mm. about one about allyship um how to be an ally to other people and also one about um a young girl's kind of guide to growing up Mm. so yeah so you quite a lot then going on (laughs) Well, not a lot then, but (laughs) clearly very busy. And I just wanted to touch on on two things that you mentioned. So um, the anti-racism training, um, Mm. what what does that entail? Because I'm a bit on the fence with that. Is it kind of like... um, uh, What do you call it? Unconscious bias training? or And like, what does it... I I find it's very difficult mm. to get my head around without you know I'm not dissing what you do but yeah yeah no okay so the the course that we've written Mm -hmm. we wrote basically for organizations um businesses companies um and for individuals as well who were maybe kind of struggling to understand why people are talking about racism right. in in such a way that we are now mm-hmm. and why perhaps people feel that we need to acknowledge that it's still such a problem. Mm-hmm. So we really call it like the intro. It's very kind of basic level unpacking um, some of the terminology that's flying around now getting rid of some of the myths about the terminology that's kind of used in the right wing Mm. kind of media um, and helping people to understand why we need to talk about this. Right. Okay. So it's not, we we don't do diversity and inclusion training. It really is 
unpacking white supremacy. Right. That is essentially okay. what this course is. Okay. Um, and we find that it's help. Well, people have said it's very helpful because there is space for people to also ask questions. And I think sometimes what's happening is people are being kind of told things and um or being kind of shouted at or whatever and not there's no space to actually ask questions without feeling like you're going to be really judged or and we're like it's okay to not understand things so this is a space where that can happen right. without it being damaging to black and brown people right because actually we're like we've put ourselves in the position where we're happy to have those conversations okay so it's not an because unconscious bias training really upsets me I I, I don't I don't why why is that I'm interested do you know because I just think I I don't believe it's always unconscious though this is my thing I think oh I I see okay yeah so so we're basically just trying to again gaslight black and brown people um when we say it's unconscious I think we understand that, that, that systematic racism is something that everybody, I think most people understand, particularly in the workplace. Um, and I also think on a, a level of education, or actually I don't even think you need to be educated to understand that there's different opportunities for different people based on their color or their gender. And, and so I, when they say unconscious bias, I feel we're basically not addressing the elephant in the room. It, yeah. It's racism, I you know, it's not, people, you know, this happens all the time, you, you know, and, yeah. So this is why I get upset. So this kind of training on what you've explained, where it's kind of addressing the elephant in the room and trying to have like yeah, conversations definitely. where people can unpack why they think that way and actually taking responsibility. Yeah. That's, that's a different, right. that's a completely different thing, um, which I think that's what we need to be doing rather than being like, yeah. oh, we know you meant that, but we're going to try and be like, what you know you know that they didn't mean that or you're being too yeah like, yeah, like, yeah. Whole, like angry black woman thing and I'm just like really dude like you're kind of gaslighting us and I, and I really appreciate these you know especially which we'll talk a little bit about after George Floyd that people are feeling like no we're actually not gonna like filter anything that we say like you are no. being racist no. and that's it <laughs> like don't patronize yeah. us uh, which is something that yeah. Shona's really good at doing in all her interviews. She's because I saw one interview where somebody oh, I was disgusted. I can't remember what her name is. She said, "Can you pronounce your name?" Because yes. I can't oh, say it. Well, no. on um, good morning, morning, yeah, yeah. Oh, awful. it was awful. Yeah. And then at the end, she said, "Oh, it would have been the same if it was if your name was exactly." Smith. Again, clearly not. gaslighting her. You see, you just see what I mean. Then she's like, "Oh, yeah. I didn't mean to." Or you know, I'm being so again, like appeasing the the oppressor you know not the we're not victims but not the people the person who's actually being disregarded and disrespected and that's why I don't like about unconscious training I agree with what you're saying about it's more the kind of terminology like Mm. unconscious bias and it's like well no actually quite a lot of it is conscious yeah um I do think there are people that just haven't considered it Mm -hmm. like I've I've met some people and I know people Mm -hmm. who are literally like I've never thought about it like that. And I think that's hard for us to understand because we're like, but this is our lived experience. Like literally from the age of four, Mm -hmm. I remember my first experience of racism. So for you to now at age 30, 40, living in this this country to 
only just be realizing it might be an issue yeah is pretty wild yeah but I do think that is genuinely what has happened to a lot of people yeah um I think in the training we always start from a point of actually everyone is racist yes so let's start from that point rather than I'm not racist and I'm going to try and make sure I do better let's start from the point that we're actually all racist we all have prejudice because we live in a world of white supremacy so you actually can't avoid it and there are people even we know that there are black and brown people that uphold white supremacy absolutely if we start from (laughs) that place Mm -hmm. that is a much better way to understand how we unlearn it Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of where we start yes. with the training and yeah. go from there. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's really important and in the sense that it's, it's quite empowering for everybody. And I think it's people starting at not, not an equal playing field because we know that's not true. But in terms of being mm-hmm. genuine in saying that actually, even as a black person, I have my own prejudices or there's things I might not understand. And, you know, having these conversations, opening up, but basically taking the shame away from it. Because I think yeah. when we start to victim, victimize and blame people, when it, that's never going to work. I mean, you, you know, no. even in, with family or relationships, you can't start pointing fingers and being like, you've done this to me. Like, it's so having like a very safe, open place where even if you get things wrong, quote unquote, which is there's no wrong yeah. or right in that sense, in terms of how you feel. And as you said, your experience, we can't, even though once different, we can't talk about their experience. We can say that the way they, act negatively impacts our experience but we need to understand why they feel that way even though it's like a very hurtful conversation but yeah how would we move on if we're not empathetic towards people even those that we feel don't make our lives easier I think we just yeah. have, to have a kind of humbling we have to just yeah so and that kind of yeah I'm oh, sorry go on no I just I um really like I think like Brenny Brown does quite a lot of work on shame and she like shame is not a useful tool to change absolutely. people mm-hmm. so like I d- absolutely believe in calling things out mm-hmm. you know and we do that in our platform we're quite kind of clear mm-hmm. when we you know see things that are not okay we'll say it but it's more the behavior that we're calling out rather than the individual because actually a lot of the time the behavior of individuals reflects the behavior of a lot of people so I think what we want to see is change. You know, if if all we want to see is people be shamed and well, that's fine if that's what you want. Mm. But ultimately, I don't believe that's going to actually end systemic racism. Yeah, I think mm. people are just going to kind of double down on themselves mm. completely. And that comes on nicely to, to the second question. And we talk about everyday racism because it, it is every day. But mm. kind of um, and I love the name because, again, I think you guys are very um direct and genuine and very transparent and, and and a lot in everything you do from what I've seen from your social media and um and your interviews so what where did that name come from what made you go with everyday racism because you know it's a really interesting name actually yeah I think um so me and Nay we grew up in a very white majority town um well we you know there wasn't many people that looked like us and 
um, just to give you a bit of context, like I went to a like an all white school. There was me, so I'm I'm mixed race, so I'm obviously lighter skinned. But I went to school with a a darker skinned black girl who was in my year, and everyone thought we were twins. So like you know, it was just ridiculous. Like, so. Yeah, we all look the same, even us three. Okay. Anyway, um, so yes, yeah, so as you can imagine, that was um quite difficult and then I think when we kind of got older we started to kind of explore race and our identity and and started to to kind of research more and I think the book that massively kind of turned it for us was like um why I no longer talk to white people right. by Lodge. and I think after that I remember reading it and being like Nate you need to read this book like right literally right now this is like <laughs> life and that's when we kind of started doing a lot of like our own work and our, our, looking at our own kind of internalized I guess um racism that we hold and then we were like it would be really good if there was a space where you know black and brown people specifically in the UK can share their stories mm-hmm. um of kind of everyday racism that happens mm-hmm. in the UK it's, you know yeah because we just felt a lot of the conversations were based on US yes. like experiences and Mm. and stories and there was definitely this sense over here that well it's not as bad yes oh my god oh my god yes and also like where you just have this narrative all the time and I feel like that's where I was kind of gaslit the most was we're such a multicultural country Mm, yeah we're really tolerant oh that word yeah tolerant was awful Mm. um so I, I kind of just felt like any time I did raise an issue or thought it, I was just being a bit oversensitive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, you know, just reading too much into things. Mm-hmm. So like Natalie was like, well, actually, it would be really powerful if people could share their stories and then other people wouldn't feel like they're alone, yeah. particularly when you live in such a white majority area. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and there really wasn't, um there is more now in our in our area mm. but there at the time what just wasn't a black community that was communicating with each other no. yeah yeah same yeah I grew up in the, in a similar and still live in quite a, a white area and uh, when I came because I, I wasn't born here even though my accent obviously doesn't sound like a uh, but I'm African I'm Kenyan and um when I came I couldn't actually even speak English um because when you're in reception you speak Swahili and then uh, yeah. in, in um, like primary whatever you speak to, um, English and so when I came here speaking um, Swahili to, to my <laughs> colleagues at school and uh, one of them they, they used to like bully me when I was younger so my mum used to be like you hit them and you run and tell the teacher and I'm like mum I we're not even speaking <laughs> the same language so you know I'm talking this and they're like this is like bush girl <laughs> and it was it was really hard navigating but it was who who I didn't have anyone to talk to about that and my mom no. coming from you know Kenya she was kind of like just you know this is the way it is and and I think that and we'll get to that kind of upbringing and 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 later on but it it was really hard to kind of navigate through that as well and 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 really voice my opinion and feeling that I have to kind of accept it like feeling like well yeah. I'm, I'm here like I shouldn't even be here at least you guys are from here but when you come from another place you do yeah. feel that you should be grateful that you're here 
So just right. really quiet, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. I think your platform kind of allows those kind of conversations because even when you are living here and we we have, even us, like me and you guys have a different experience. The fact yeah. that I'm, I'm African and I'm not, this is not my country, I'm Kenyan. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult, but def- definitely things are better now and that we can have these conversations. But I agree, it seemed, the, the narrative on racism seems to be very American. Even yeah. now, I think we really need to stop comparing, like, oh, because we don't always see what happened to George Floyd. That stuff that does happen, you know. It's just we don't mm. see it here. Well, yeah, we well, don't have guns. Don't have yeah. guns. That's another element. Yeah. Um, so it's in a diff done in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. But also I think if you look at history, you know there's the, again there's this thing of like oh well you know america they had slavery and like, mm. like cotton fields here and blah 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 but look at where how did america start like Absolutely. where did they learn this stuff from they learned it from us mm-hmm. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like, we're the architects we're mm-hmm. not innocent and i think that's the thing like britain we're, we're very like you say we're we're very polite we're mm. very good kind of planting the seed and then backing away absolutely and like, yeah. oh, no, it wasn't it wasn't us you know mm. no that, nothing to do with us but it very much is yeah us yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's kind of cowardly which is um and and kind mm. of um not everybody but I mean the people that do you know racism and the, and the nasty folks because they it's again as we've talked about gaslighting making you look like you're the victim like we know that these systems are created to oppress people of color um, and we're, they, they want to keep us in a certain level. I know I sound like I'm a conspiracy theorist, but there are systems in place to kind of keep people in certain places. And then they kind of, and then when people go to crime or do things, they're like, oh, well, see? And it's like, no, no, you've literally made it that that's the only option that these people have. And I remember before I used to, when I see a story about black, you know, boys, particularly like, crime whatever I used to be like oh no like please oh I hope he's not black and I'm just so sad or why and then and then I thought no that's what they want even us to think so kind of to victim yeah. kind of blame our own people but it's like we're lucky as women and coming from areas where they're probably you know have different opportunities and being a black woman again it's a different thing to being a black boy so we probably have a bit more opportunities in certain areas and certain things but this is systematic from the moment you're born. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's created yeah. to, yeah, oppress us. And it's also, I think it's important to also acknowledge, like, the different intersections of that mm. as well. So for us, like, one of the things that we're really interested in is class as well, because I think that that is another Massive. avid layer to the system. Yeah. Um, and it's a way to divide people and also pit people against each other yes and so like when you obviously talking about opportunity like if you are for example like a light-skinned person from a very middle class background um maybe you you know you go to a private privately educated or Russell Group University whatever it's not to say you're not going to experience racism of course but the opportunities that you will have are going to be very different. Absolutely. And I think we have to acknowledge that as well, mm. because people often talk about um, black people, brown people as like a in a monolithic way. Mm. Um, 
And I think the discussion about class has got to come into it. Yeah, mm. of course, because mm. there are obviously black rich people and Absolutely. there are white poor people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's mm. this whole thing of like... Yeah, and, and it doesn't take away that you're still going to experience racism. 100%. Different way. Um, but in terms of, I think, and I think it's deliberate. It's yeah. all a deliberate, you know, system. And the whole thing just benefits one type of person. Yeah. That's yeah. the issue with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, and even us, people in privileged positions need to acknowledge our privilege and, and try and, um, because I, I have had conversations with other black people and who are like, yeah, but you know, they don't have to go to crime, you know, they can change their life. And I'm like, yeah, yeah you can say that because you can actually do that, you know? And, and, and it's, it's these very dangerous things to say. I mean, I think yeah. you don't know people's experiences and some people actually came from good backgrounds and didn't make the right choices. Sometimes it is about choice, it does, it's not. So I think us as people in any kind of opportunity of privilege need to take into account other people's differences and not pit that mm-hmm. against them. As you said, we're, these, we're, this is used to pit us against each other. Even if you look at the LGBT community, there's even like competition in there about like, who's better off or who's worse or off. It's like, it's not a competition. It's like, everybody has differences, even in um, marginalized groups, yes. um, you know, and, and kind of acknowledging that and using your privilege to empower and speak up for other, other particularly if yeah. you're lighter skinned and acknowledging that when you are lighter skinned, you do have opportunities. Don't shy away from that. That's just life. That's just the way yeah. it is. And, um, but coming on nicely to the, to the next question is, like, and I remember somebody asking me, this is why I'm interested to hear your opinion. So obviously racism has been going on for a long time. Um, but after George Floyd died, things really changed. And I found myself even more angrier and actually more vocal than I've, I've ever been. I work in a very corporate environment, um, yeah. but even at work, and I'm, I'm very outspoken, but even at work, I'm, I'm, le- I'm more outspoken than I have ever been. Um, why is it that George Floyd's death really, I mean, obviously it was horrific, you know, but more horrific deaths have happened, you know, like what happened to Emmett Till. So why do you think after George Floyd, we are, the the fight for racism has become so widespread. Really nice Mm. to see that lots of our white counterparts and friends are really upset and really challenged, you know, fighting, you know, for us. Why, why why is George Floyd such a monumental situation? Do you think? Yeah, Mm. I think, it has to be the video right. and the the power of social media the mm-hmm. way that we communicate and interact with each other now is very different um even in you know like i'm 38 and i'm i'm a teacher as well and when i talk to my students i feel like i'm so old because the way that they do things and communicate and i'll say things like well, I didn't have the internet when I was at school and we didn't have mobile phones, you know, and they look at me like, and I feel like I'm still quite young. Um, But yeah, so the way that we communicate and interact Mm. and receive our news and all of those things is so different, even just in the last few years. I think, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I think- as well is time as well, the timing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because- you know, we were in a pandemic, well, I guess we still are, mm-hmm. we were in our homes, we were, you know, in lockdown, P- 
people have more time to consume media and news and so yeah I think that was a, another yeah thing. that was a factor for sure yeah sorry um, about that sorry <laughs> yeah sorry continue yeah so I think um yeah I think Natalie's right I think the timing as well um and then you know because things go viral and you know things get passed around so quickly um and I think that's the the main reason really Mm. um that people started to kind of really comment and it was also back to back with other horrific incidents Mm -hmm. as well yeah. So I think it just got to a point where you're like, you just, you cannot ignore these things. Like they're literally being played out mm. right in front of your eyes. Yeah. Um, you can't, you just can't ignore those. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny that some people still, so I remember after that happened, um, we had a meeting at work and nobody talked about it. And I was just like, where am I? I mean, it, is this mm-hmm. real? Like, this is the whole shame thing that I mentioned in the beginning. Just because not all white people do that. So why can't people just talk about it? I mean, I just think it really irritates me. And it's like, just be, we're not blaming every white person for what this particular individual did. But when people ignore it, I think it, it's just so inhumane for me. I, I just think, because if we saw a story about like what's happening in Ukraine right now, everyone's talking about that, you know, which rightfully so what's happening is, is, is very it's very sad and devastating but it's also sad and devastating when you see black people being killed all the time so but we don't want to talk about that because it's a race element to it, which we know there's racism so it's and I don't know whether that will ever change because yeah. we seem to act so we're like oh god oh I can't say that because I look like I'm on this fence or it's not a fence it's right and wrong you know this is kind of quite blatant I think people there are people that are still very scared about talking about racism yeah it as it obviously isn't a pleasant word Mm -hmm. but they see it as something if we don't talk about it if we don't mention it then it's not there yeah yeah um and there are a lot of white people who are very uncomfortable in talking about it because either they don't understand it they don't want to understand it and they they think that if they don't mention it then they haven't got any issues to deal with um, and again, it goes back to that thing of actually, let's just be honest about the fact that we all hold prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. Also, there's this thing of like race is political. Around it by saying, well, we're not political here and we're, you know, we and, and that's how they get out of having to address mm. the issues. I heard a lot of that, you know, and when it comes to obviously Black Lives Matter, a lot of people um, stay away from that because they say, well, it's a political organisation yeah. and therefore we it doesn't align with what we mm. believe. But actually, I'm just like, why on earth would you want to distance yourselves from the phrase Black Lives Matter? Yeah, yeah. It's wild to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I, and actually us speaking about it, I get so enraged. I think I'm, I still need to, I need to, um, <laughs> I, th- I don't think I was, uh, real, not, I think you guys can see a bit more clearer about this. I think I still, I need to maybe do a lot more work and, and not getting so angry about, 
what we're talking about and thinking that, you know, why it's such a contentious issue. I still struggle with this. I st- and I need, this is something that I need to work on. And I think it's maybe lived experiences. And I just think yeah, we're human beings. Why is this even like a, why is this such an issue? Because if you look at the way people treat animals mm. and I think, well, who taught you? So I remember having a conversation with somebody who um, they were saying, you know, uh, putting, you know, like when, um, racism during football and people were being banned and you know yeah and somebody was like well you know they should be educated and not put into prison because this will um, make them become more violent and I said well I have a few questions for you when black people are incarcerated for no reason some are and some rightfully so but they're given longer sentences do they come out and start killing black people uh, white people or hating white people or beating them up I, I need figures of that because basically what I'm saying is that even when we have racism towards us, we don't necessarily start hating white people because I think some of us can see that it's not a everyone thing. It's 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 a very big topic and it's a systematic thing. And secondly, you know, this whole like they need to be educated. Well, who told you to love and respect and like animals? Where where did you learn that? Which, which book were you taught? There isn't one, right? You just innately that's how you feel. So why is why are black people seen as a different thing that they need to be tolerated or they need to be taught or they need to be you know I'm not saying that that we shouldn't be having these conversations the training that you do I think is important not just for black people but different people different things different different ways of thinking that's why we have teachers like you yourselves teaching lots of different things right um about culture about religion about practices rituals religion is very important but when it comes to race it's seen as a separate thing you know where is the empathy in this where where is the where we bleed the same yeah well I think it's it again it comes down to white supremacy doesn't Mm. it like like we say it's embedded it's absolutely everywhere like Mm. an analogy I heard was you know comparing it to like oxygen so Mm. when we're born we just literally we breathe we don't Mm. think about oxygen it's everywhere like Mm. we need it but as soon as something happens, you know, if we, we can't, we, we stop breathing, whatever, whatever we realise that, oh, okay, there's oxygen. It's the same, it's white supremacy, it's mm. everywhere. Mm. Until some people are like, hang on, I've been affected. Oh, wait, it's white supremacy. It's literally everywhere. And that's, yeah. and that's why we need to understand it, mm. to dismantle it, because it is just... And that's where I think the unconscious part yeah. comes in, because mm. I do think there are things that we don't, like we don't, we don't even consider don't but they're that. subconscious messages mm-hmm. right so um we were talking about you know like when you fill a form in and you put your your race or your <laughs> ethnic identity down every form you fill in white is always the first yeah. one the default at the mm. top mm-hmm. and then it goes progressively down to different mm-hmm. anything other than white and then right at the bottom you know it's like other and mm-hmm. you put that in if you have have filled those forms in from I don't know from the time you're like 12 up until you're 40 or whatever and you've been filling those forms in and you don't think about those forms you just automatically do them but every time you fill that form in, at the top of that form mm. is white. The mm. hierarchy is mm. white. Mm. Subconsciously, that has got to be doing something to you. Mm. That's true. Subconsciously, that has got to be, what, what, regardless of your race, that is sending a message. Mm. Um, and I think that's where 
there are things like that that are just so normalized Mm -hmm. in our life Mm -hmm. even I didn't question that until a few weeks ago when we were discussing it for some reason Mm -hmm. and you just think well if we didn't even notice that and this is like what we do every day Mm -hmm. what about people that just don't even question anything to do with race yeah oh I do think yeah sorry no so I was just gonna say that is actually a really good point because yeah, I didn't, yeah. It's, yeah, and I think the important word you said is default. That that's mm. always seems to be the, that's that's the majority, even when it's not. And even in, you know, coming, so like in Africa, you, I don't know whether you guys have ever traveled. I don't, I don't know, what's your, um, your black side? Is it African or Caribbean? Caribbean, okay. um, but I have been to Kenya a few times. Oh, you have? Oh, okay. How, well, how'd you find it? <laughs> yeah I loved it yeah Yeah. I mean I'm obviously biased but (laughs) in in Kenya they do tend to treat particularly like if you go to a restaurant or or bar they treat white people much better than they treat particularly their own and if me and you went to a they'd probably serve you first um based on the color of your skin when I went um and I I went to Masai Mara yeah and um I visited a friend of a friend's mm. family and the the mum like was rubbing my skin mm. and she said I, I was only probably about maybe 17 mm-hmm. and and I really like I hadn't learned very much about colorism at that point and mm. um, I knew it existed but I hadn't really didn't really know the impact of it and she said oh I wish I had skin like yours mm. and I was like what do you mean and she was like I wish I had your color skin mm. and so we had this like chat and they like sold well you'll know skin loads of skin whitening stuff and things yeah. like that yes yeah, that's yeah very yeah. sad Be- because the reason I know that probably the reason why there's obviously I don't know the person I'm just kind of guessing is because if they had your skin they'd have better opportunities that's yes, why so they, it's not like they actually yeah. want to be because they think that you're better it's more if I look yeah. like that I can get a job and so therefore you yeah. know that's exactly. why and so this comes on nicely to um next question you've, you've guys have you've talked about that you're you're writing a book um called mixed race experience so can you talk a little bit about the book and, and your experience being mixed? Because obviously, just because you are lighter skin doesn't mean you've had it easy. Um, and that's something else to acknowledge. So we're, as in, I'm not going to compete with you and be like, because I'm darker, that, <laughs> that I've had it worse, because that's not true. But that's how some some of the conversations we were like, well, you wouldn't understand, because even me, I'm I'm obviously not as light skinned as you, but to some of my friends, I am. And sometimes they're like, well, you don't know what it feels like to be us. And I'm like, no, but I've still had it raised them. Yeah. But yeah, so what's the book about and what's your experience? Yeah, so um, yeah, it's called the mixed race experience, and we kind of wanted to write a book about our lived experience, um, and something that we felt that we could write that we were confident <laughs> in writing. Um, so essentially, it's kind of looking at the mixed race like identity, um, kind of coming away from this sort of narrative of. Um, just being black and white because that's not the case at all and also kind of coming away from this thing of just having like two sides Um, hence why we called it the mixed race experience because 
we know that for some that also people don't love that term um unfortunately yeah. terminology is quite limited but you know the the terms now that people use is like dual heritage but again that means two mm. or biracial which is very american but again we just sort of felt like the mixed race experience is just you know the most up for us inclusive but obviously we understand that it has its limitations mm-hmm. um and I think also just to say we're not writing the even though it's called the mixed race experience this isn't the experience you know it's nuanced there are so many yes. different dynamics and and conversations so we're just trying to hold some of that but that isn't everyone's experience Mm. but essentially we're just kind of looking at identity we're looking at the concept of race Mm -hmm. we're looking at colorism and uh, light skin privilege we look at interracial relationships we look at raising mixed race children we look at hair and also the kind of thing around um racist family members because Mm. well you know when you when you're for some you might have a a white family member our mum is white Mm. our dad is black Mm. so we kind of titled it you know the sort of we kind of did it around the racist uncle narrative because (laughs) we We just feel like everyone has a racist uncle yeah (laughs) I agree (laughs) yeah so we were like okay let's you know so we kind of and I think it's that thing again like reading Renee Dolodge's book why I no longer talk to white people about race is brilliant, but what if your family are mm. white and you can't get away? You know, you don't have the choice to just not talk about it. So kind of looking at that as well. Um, and then, yeah, we sort of interviewed about, uh, I think it was about 30 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so a mixture of, of kind of race and ethnicity, but also like people who are raising mixed race children, people in, who are into in to racial relationships um and just try to get a perspective but yeah I guess it's the book that we wish we had when we were younger that's sort of what we say Mm. like you know if I had that book when I was a teenager I think you know I just would have felt seen and heard and I think there aren't many books out at the moment talking about that They're, they're starting to come out which is brilliant Um, But I just think it's a really important conversation. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, when obviously everyone was talking in the in the mainstream about racism and things and it was it was very kind of it's Black Lives Matter, which is absolutely right. I think there were some people who mixed heritage that were a bit like, am I am I allowed to be part Mm. of that? Mm. Am I? can I call myself black? So we just kind of wanted to like open up that conversation a little bit and also maybe just address, like you just touched upon it about, um, you know, light skin privilege. Absolutely. That there is, and there's, there's no doubt about that and colorism exists and we must have those conversations. Mm. But equally, two things can be held at the same time. So you can have that, but also where you grew up, who you lived with, who you are around has an impact on the kind of racism you experience. And it can be very tough if you perhaps are, you know, identify as black or black mixed race 
but all your family that you are around is white. Mm, mm. So, and you maybe grow up in a white majority area. So you experience racism, but actually you've got no one to talk Mm. to about it. Nobody in your family understands it. You could even have a racist parent. Yeah. Because there's this myth that, you know, if you have mixed race children, then you're clearly Mm. really like, woke or you understand all of the nuances but that's not true and I know people that have parents who have got some very Mm. racist views even though they have mixed race children Mm. and that's really quite a scary situation to be in yeah people don't really talk about that Mm. we want Mm. we want it to be really straightforward like well if you're mixed race you're privileged and you don't you don't have it as bad yeah and and I don't think it's as straightforward as that there are complexities yeah I agree with I agree completely and I think again it's about having these conversations and giving voices Mm. to these people that like you said feel that they shouldn't come into the conversation because of their color and and I definitely that's kind of how I've grown up to be honest I've always felt uh can't say certain things because of the color of my skin and and um and it's a bit of an identity issue and and then being raised in in um kind of a you know I've been lucky in life um and sometimes I feel ashamed by that because some of people I know are like well you don't understand and you've you know had this and and um and then obviously many times being called um bounty and i want to be white and all this crap um which i'm like what does that even mean i mean i don't even know what that means but growing up that was really hard for me because i used to feel like i don't belong with yeah when i go home and like i don't look a lot like any of my family actually so you wouldn't even think that i mean my mom my mom's like very dark compared to me and my and my dad's but my dad's not in my life so um, it's not like people can see and be like, oh, I can understand. But because a lot of times people are like, oh, is that your mom? They're kind of shocked. So again, there's that color thing, which mm. I'm like, but what do you know? You don't, <laughs> again, it's kind yeah. of, and then when I'm here and then you were like, oh, you, you know, you want to be white. And so I feel like I don't fit back home. And then when I'm here, I don't fit here because yeah. of the way I sound. So even the way, I, so it's really difficult. So I think having yeah. a book like yours, even though I am not mixed race, I'm fully African, um, fully Kenyan, um, I still don't, I still have that, this color issue where I feel like I can't really say the things or, or because of the life that I've had. And I think it's important that we have these conversations because we're left out of the conversation, ostracized. And, and then again, it's like a competition. It's like, well, I haven't had, and it's like, no, everyone has struggle. Even white people have struggle different. You know, we don't have to sit here and compete um, with each other. So I think your book will really empower a lot of people, even those that are not mixed race. And that's what's important about you guys it's not just about race it's actually exploring a lot of things that people don't talk about whether it's mm. gender or lgbt community and you know having these conversations because again that's a big issue which we don't have time to talk about today but lgbt community and 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 their experience and how they Absolutely. feel you know and the yeah. intersectionalities of that with race and then upbringing that's and family you know yeah so, yeah yeah um, i th- <laughs> we do hope like you said that there are things for everybody in there because Mm. obviously like for example the hair oh yeah chapter 
that doesn't obviously just impact mixed race people by any means and we go into the different hair types and things mm. so I think there'll be a lot in there for yeah. everybody I'll, def- I'll definitely be, be reading it um <laughs> so so as we come to a close it's just one uh, the final question is really just to find out from you um who who has inspired you in your life you know and and how how have they helped you be who you are today mm, yeah Big question, sorry. I find it's so so hard. hard. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, um, again, we we were talking about this because I find it really hard to answer because there isn't just one person. It's Mm -hmm. not like, okay, this person and they've aspired me to be everything because I think there's lots of different people in different areas of my life that have inspired me. And I think i also do find it problematic just to inspire like be inspired by one person because that person mm. is always gonna let you down so <laughs> yeah. like, i love you know, the honesty yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so i think like i try not to be like right you are the person mm-hmm. but i think for me like i have definitely like recently i guess in the work that we do there's lots of amazing kind of educators that yeah. really inspire me. So, you know, um, Dr. Shola Moshabam. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read a book recently by Rachel Ricketts and right. she's like brilliant. She's um, based in America, but I think it's, um, it's, like, it's about healing from white supremacy. I can't remember the title. Be Better, I think. Yes, Be Better. Um, do Better. Do Better, I'll that's do better. it. And I've, I've read it like twice and it's just so brilliant. Um, you know, and then there's like, I guess, oh gosh, there's so many people. I'm just trying to think. <laughs> and then like, I love people like, oh, this sounds ridiculous, but like in terms of music, I love Beyonce. Like yes. I love. And then, like, I'm obs- I'm a little bit obsessed with like Meghan Markle. Yes, because, yes. Like, you know, all of that. So there's so many like it, yeah. incredible women that inspire me. Um, and you know, obviously like Bell Hooks and Audrey mm. Lord, Audrey Lord, and yeah, just so many incredible. And you know, it's mate, it's obviously mainly women. I mean, it is. Yeah. We are the best. Yeah, we are the best. <laughs> you inspire me. Oh, thank you. Um, my mum inspires yeah. me. Like, you know, she's a massive part of why we do yeah. what we do. She big up to a, mums. Big up big to mum. We call her the mother of allies. She yeah. just completely <laughs> fought our battles all the time during school, always down the school, you know. <laughs> Love to it. the headmaster like you she's allowed braid she you can't say this blah, blah, yes okay. yes mom i know but at the time we were like oh, mom Paris. yeah yeah <laughs> but now i'm like i'm so pleased that you did all of that and she's yeah. a massive activist you know she's always fighting for stuff and i love that so yeah i think there's yeah like i say there's not one person i think there's a lot of people yeah i am um... I think like I'm just always inspired by people that like keep showing up Mm. like they're they know what they're here to do Mm. and they keep showing up for that and I I that yeah really does inspire me because I think it's like it's a lot to commit Mm. to what you feel your purpose is kind of and you know, nail your colours to the mast and then keep showing up for that. Mm-hmm. 
And I think, again, a lot of incredible women that are doing that. Yeah. And also just juggling so much. Like they're juggling loads of other stuff, but they keep showing up for the thing that they really believe in. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And also people that are really okay with admitting their mistakes. Mm, Amen. Inspiring. Yeah. So there's like Brené Brown does that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamila Jamil, who does oh, I yeah, way, yeah, she's, she's really open about mm. that. And I I do like people that are comfortable in their humanity, mm. and I think we try and do that as well mm. because otherwise, I just think if you set yourself up as like the expert, the you know, mm. you always end up falling short because we're all. Human. We're all a bit broken and we're all humans. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree completely with everything you've you've both said. And I and this is why I've started this podcast because I think it's it's important to, you know, people that inspire you don't have to be doing these big grand things. And and that's right. so in terms of the guests that I have are very different. So obviously you guys are more yeah. on, a, on, on a bigger platform. And but then I have even um people working locally you know having yeah. a shop a community because that's that's inspirational to me anyway I, mean, I can't speak for other people but we were always you know thinking grand and tv and social media and all yeah. these likes and all these things it's like what about your your neighbor even somebody who mm-hmm. cleans up rubbish for everybody and brings people together buys newspaper for other you know for not an elderly person that's inspirational you yeah. know let's actually I'm just really talk great. about people that are, are kind to each other and 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 if if you didn't think about that before, I hope COVID has taught people that actually just being a, a kind and open person and helping your community in any way you can is more important than anything, any likes, any any blue tick and, and what you have. And so that's kind of what I want. And I want young people to, I sound like, and I don't have children, but, and I hope to have, and I would really like to, if, I'm, if God blesses me with a child, that I want to teach them, like my mother taught me that, you know, um, community and family and love is all you need and health obviously like you know forget all these things and just be kind to everybody you know and um and try your best and as you say just be yourself you know and if you have strengths and weaknesses you know be open about that there's no shame and actually someone can actually yeah. teach you you can say I'm not good at that and someone oh I am and then you say I'm not good at that and then you help each yeah. other so um just teaching young people about what's really important not all these grand things and hopefully our children's children will have a better life than us in terms of like the pressures that you've just mentioned that we all go through and I know men do as well and that's another conversation but just really being genuine and integrity and that is actually what life is about rather than you know um and people living in their purpose whatever that is yeah you know so um so yeah I'm really inspired by you ladies and and I'm really happy to have had you here today I could talk to you forever I talk a lot as you um and you know I, I wish you guys all the best in your endeavors Thank and you. Uh, hope to continue having conversations and definitely supporting you in, in all that you do um really can't wait to get your book so when is it out so that listeners can, can... it's out july the 7th right and it's available for pre-order now okay great so yeah listeners get it pre-order it um july 7th and yeah so we're really looking forward to, to all all the great things you've got coming up and um and wish you all the best thank and you. and have a great thanks day thanks for having us yeah thank thanks you. so much for having us and have a lovely weekend and you, and you. okay bye. take care bye